good morning. Won't have to do that next week. That'll be nice. It's good to see all of you this morning. I'm, I'm glad to be here with you. And God is glad to be here with us. If you don't know me, my name is Ben. I'm one of the teaching elders here. But more importantly, I am deeply loved by the Father. And uh, I've really felt that this morning in our worship. Isn't that good? Just, man, so encouraging how deeply loved we are by the Father. And uh, we're in the series, or this moment, what do you call it? Season, a season, an eight-week season, going through eight essentials from the book of Ephesians. We've been kind of doing a flyover of the book of Ephesians, not a verse-by-verse exposition. And so this morning, we are in the eighth, on the eighth essential, the last one. We're going to be wrapping up the series this morning. And they always tell you in, in speech class and in preaching class that you save the most important thing either for the beginning or the end. Like you, that's where you want to say it because that's when people are listening or you want to leave them with something. And so we have intentionally framed the series that way. We started by talking about our need for a God-centered church, that we are centered on the person of God himself. And then after that essential, we work through these others that we want to be a gospel-fluent church, a church that speaks the gospel in everyday, the everyday stuff of life, that we are a story-formed church, that we are framed by the, the Bible's story of redemption, and that we engage in spiritual formation individually as the people of God in these practices that bring us into the presence of God to be transformed. Then we saw what it looks like to be a healthy community, what it looks like to engage in shared ministry. And then last week, we looked at everyday mission. And we're ending our series today with spirit dependence, spirit dependence. And like I said in the newsletter, this is in some ways the most essential, essential all the others are in, in, in their health or in their weakness are in direct proportion to our dependence on the Spirit of God. Our, our experience of God's presence as we center on Him, our experience of deep and lasting transformation in the community of God's people, our experience of, of joy and shared ministry in community, Our effectiveness on mission, they are all directly proportional to our dependence on the Spirit of God. And we began this series with this illustration of a blizzard and and the fact that these essentials are like a tether to hold us in the blizzard, to keep us stable, to keep us tethered to God himself, to allow us to to navigate the, the confusion that we live in in this culture to allow us to be a safe place for other people. But the reality is we can't hold on to that tether unless God himself grabs us, takes us to the tether, holds our hands to it in kindness, and keeps us there. We can't do any of these things without the Spirit's power. It's impossible. To use another analogy, we realize that when we, when we, and I felt this as we went through this series, that the vision God gives us of a healthy, vibrant church is kind of like seeing pictures of space. It's like imagining this beauty, these beautiful planets, the immenseness of the galaxies, and realizing that we're not astronauts and that our, that our hope of getting there is pretty slim. I don't know if you felt that tension at times. I know I did when I was preparing, when I was preaching, when I was listening. Like this is a beautiful and accurate vision of what God has called his church to be. But there's no way we can get there without something supernatural happening. And it's easy for us when we're faced, when we're given this vision of what a church should be, it's easy for us to just temper our expectations, right? to temper our vision, but it is this tension that God has called us to live in, to be content in Jesus, yes, to be non-anxious, yes, but to long for more, to long for more. And this longing produces spirit dependence. This tension is meant to produce in us this desire for the Spirit's work. And spirit dependence is fueled by two things, a deep sense 
of our need for God and a deep sense of His willingness to meet us in our need. And those two are really important. They're both important. If, if we don't have a deep sense of our need, we will build something and call it good when it's actually not. It'll result in self-righteousness. And if we don't have a deep sense of the willingness of God to meet us in our need, we will end in despair and discouragement. We need both of those things. And so, so we need to feel our need. You remember Simon and Andrew and James and John, they, they fished all night and caught nothing. And when they felt their need, Jesus said, cast the net on the other side. They, they were being prepared as they felt their need for Jesus to do a miracle. Paul didn't experience the treasure of the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4, working through him until he recognized, I'm a jar of clay. I'm a broken, cracked jar of clay. And when he realized that, that's when the treasure of the gospel shone through him. And so we need to feel our need. We, we need to come face to face with the reality that there's a real devil and there's real demonic powers and that we live in a really broken world and that we have these not yet fully redeemed hearts that we wrestle with every day. And there's this vision of God's church that he puts before us. And we desperately need the Spirit of God. But we also need to see that God is so ready to meet us in our need. And that's where I want us to go today. is to look and see from the book of Ephesians three prayers that show us how absolutely willing God is to meet us in our need. How much he desires us to be filled with the Spirit and to have the kind of power that we need to be the people that he's called us to be. And so here's what I want to see from the book of Ephesians this morning, that the Spirit promises to give us the power for three things. One, to see what we otherwise never could see. To become what we otherwise never could become and to do what we otherwise never could do. That's what God promises to do. And I'm going to try to be brief with each of these, because after each of them, we're actually going to pause and respond to what we've just read, what we just learned. We're going to respond to each one of these. We're going to have a time of prayer as the church. We're going to have uh, some people come up and lead each one of these times of prayer together. So as we're working through this, just be thinking about what, what is it What is it that I want to see, that I need to see? What is it that I want to become? What is it that I want to do that I can't possibly see, become, or do without the power of the Spirit of God? So number one, the Spirit is ready and eager to give us power to see what we otherwise never could see. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, or your apps and Pull it open, Ephesians 1 and verse 15. This is Paul praying for the Ephesians. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, and and just, just to note, he he says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, verse 16. This is Paul's pattern. He always celebrates grace first, and then he asks for more. It's a really good pattern. Celebrate grace and ask for more. He says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. 
Now, I don't have the time to unpack this whole verse or section, this whole prayer, and so I'm going to give you a paraphrase, all right? Eugene Peterson wrote the message. I'm going to try to channel him the best that I know how this morning and give you the sense of what Paul's praying and hopefully make this prayer come alive. I won't give up asking our Father, the one who makes us say wow all the time. I won't give up asking him to give you the ability to walk through this world in a God-centered way and to show you things you've never seen quite as clearly before. I'm asking this really for one simple reason, so you can experience God so much more than you do now. So I'm asking God to open your eyes, wide open, no drooping eyelids, that by faith you would look, really look and jump with joy at what you see. You have more reasons to hope than anyone else in the world. You are richer than you ever thought you were, not with wads of cash, but because you have a new hero, Jesus, and along with him a new heart, a new family, and a new life, now and forever. May God help you look because you have more power available to you than you ever thought you had. Seriously, God didn't use up all his power when he raised Jesus from the dead. There is so much more where that came from. Right now, Jesus is sitting at the Father's right hand and ruling as the real king over all the puny presidents, kings, and dictators of this world. That's real power. Nothing's changed. The power is still there for the asking. Look, ask, be filled up all the way. Man, this prayer is so important. We, we live in a world, especially in the U.S., where the mantra is seeing is believing, right? Seeing is believing. But God says, no, 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 no. Faith is the substance, the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. And what we need is our eyes to be open to the reality that what we can't see with our physical eyes is just as real as what we can see with our eyes. That there is a spiritual dimension that we can see only by faith that is just as real as what we see around us. And there's a, there's a really awesome illustration of this in the Old Testament, in the life of Elisha. I don't know if you remember this as kids here in this story, but in 2 Kings chapter 6, we hear this story of Elisha, and the Arameans are attacking Israel. And the king of Aramea hated God, hated the people of God, and he was trying to figure out a way to kill the king of Israel. But every time he laid an ambush, they knew he was coming. Because Elisha kept getting visions, prophetic visions, of where they would be and told the king how to avoid them. And so the king of Aramea is really upset. He's like, I'm going I'm to take out Elisha. So he sends like one prophet. It's one prophet. And he sends an army, an army with, with um, chariots and horses, and he surrounds the city where Elisha is staying. And in the, in the morning, Elisha's apprentice gets up and he goes outside and he sees all the chariots surrounding the city. And he goes, oh no. He freaks out. He says, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, the army that's with us is bigger than their army. And the servant, the apprentice is like, what? What are you talking about? And Elisha prays. He says, Lord, open his eyes to see. And God opens his servant's eyes, and the servant can see all around the city are chariots of fire. And the army is bigger than the Aramean army. And and while in the New Testament, Paul says in Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, that is not the kind of warfare we're engaged in. We are engaged in a real war, and the reality is the same. We need our eyes opened to see that God is bigger and stronger than any enemy that we face. He's here for us. He wants to make a show of spiritual power through us. He wants us to see what we can't otherwise see without him. 
So let me ask you this morning, what do you want to see about God? And one of the best ways to fuel that desire to see is to remember and celebrate what God has already helped you see. If you could sing these songs that we sang this morning about God's kindness in pursuing you, that is his grace that allowed you to see that you were stuck in the muck of sin and you needed a hero to rescue you and that Jesus was your only hero. It is pure grace that you would see that Jesus is worth not just following as Savior, but following as King. It is pure grace that you could come this morning and cry out, Abba, Father. Every time you're reminded that you're one of God's kids and that God is a good Father, that is God giving you eyes to see what you otherwise could never see. And oftentimes what we need to see is not something new, but we need to see something old with much greater clarity, much greater depth than we've ever seen it before. And this past couple of weeks, um, I've had to, I've asked God to show me something about himself. And the situation in Ukraine has reminded me of how much I need to see God more clearly in several ways. I've needed to see God more clearly as a God who cares deeply for the oppressed. Not just for those in Ukraine, for sure, but there are those in Afghanistan and Ethiopia and Yemen that are still at war, and God cares for the oppressed there. I have to be, I've wanted to be reminded this week that God hates evil and injustice and murder and genocide. But I also needed to see all over again that God's story is still on track. We talked about God's story several weeks ago. And this is one of those times where what we know to be true, we need to, be, we need to see with greater clarity and greater assurance than we've ever seen before. God's story is still on track. He is still the king. And I needed to be reminded of that. And we need to be reminded that our ultimate hope is not in the survival of democracy. Our ultimate hope is not in the survival of the West. Our ultimate hope is in the survival of the kingdom of Jesus. Our ultimate hope is in the return of the king, Jesus himself. That is our ultimate hope. And so while we pray, yes, we pray for injustice to be stopped. We pray for wars to cease. Our ultimate hope is that God's kingdom is not going to fail. And we want to see in these moments, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and Afghanistan and Yemen and Ethiopia. We need to pray for them that they will see that their inheritance can't be touched. Their real inheritance can't be touched. And we need to pray the same thing for us, that God will prepare us and assure us and remind us that what we have in Jesus, it cannot be invaded It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be taken away from us. The one thing that's worth losing, Jesus himself, can never be taken from us. That's what we need to see. That's what needs to invade our fears. No matter how big this conflict becomes, we have no idea. What needs to invade our fears over and over again is that we have an inheritance that can't fade, that can't perish, that can't fall away, that is safe and secure in Jesus. And Jesus is king, and his kingdom is what matters. And and we can't do that without the Spirit. We can't. We can't see that without the power of the Spirit. And what's true on that macro level is true on the micro level. And so maybe, maybe what's concerning your heart today is not Ukraine, but things much closer to home. Maybe Ukraine is just added to a list of a bunch of other pressures and fears and anxieties and concerns that you feel. Maybe you're just trying to be a good mother, a good father, a good spouse, a good friend, and you're feeling your need in those everyday moments of life to see God like you've never seen him before. Well, God's big enough for all of that. And he wants to show you himself. And he invites you to ask the Spirit to do for you what you otherwise could never do for yourself to see. 
So let me ask you, what do you want to see? What about God do you need the Spirit to help you see that otherwise you could never see? So let's take a few moments to respond to that in prayer. I'm Vest George, if he would come and lead us in this moment. So he's going to pray for us. Anything else God's laid on his heart to share, to lead us in this moment of asking God to show us what is it that we need to see? Good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, I believe just through what Ben has shared in worship time that we're aware of what we want to see and it's on our hearts. So I want to ask you to trust that spirit's work that's already happening. And I do want to declare a couple things before we start, and that is God is good at keeping his promises. And Jesus Christ is faithful. I need to hear that no matter what I think, feel, or see, don't see. And I'll start us out, but Jesus needs to lead us, and it's the Holy Spirit's work. So I want to ask us to take a second and, and in our hearts, if you can, say, I trust you, Jesus. And then say, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. We'll do that, and then I'll just pray. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus, and thank you, Holy Spirit, for being present. We're all aware of that. We felt it through worship. We felt it even in the things that have been shared. And uh, what came on my heart was um, Paul's just, I will keep asking. And you said, George, will you keep on asking? But I also heard you say that Jesus is asking for us at the right hand of the Father right now. So I just pray for faith to be released, uh, trust, hope, and that, uh, Holy Spirit, you would bring wisdom and revelation, and that by the Spirit alone that you would open the eyes of our hearts and enlighten them and, and give us the freedom right now and the liberty that's found in Jesus Christ to uh, just pray, pray what's in our hearts. This is a safe place. This is uh, where you call us to be the church, which is real, honest, and uh, just uh, sharing our hearts. So uh, give that freedom, and Jesus, we just want you to be glorified. So come, Holy Spirit. Father, I agree with my brother. I need to see Jesus, you sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Yeah. Nonstop, 24 7, always the right prayer. Yeah, that's right. Give, my, give me eyes to see that, Lord. Jesus, I, uh, I just need to see that the wandering and waiting in my journey, you're there, first of all, and that uh, there's purpose, Lord, because I, I just confess I have unbelief in my heart and doubt, and yet I know you're good, and so uh, I ask that I would be able to see that, Lord.
Father, I pray that you'd continue <clears throat> to open our eyes. Um, I, I pray specifically that you would uh, open our eyes to where we're blind, uh, that you'd help us to see our own blindness so we even know what to ask for. Um, so that we can, we, we can experience more grace, Lord. You never expose our blindness without the intent to help us see. So I pray for more, more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brother George. Appreciate you leading us. Ephesians 3 is the next prayer. Ephesians 3. And so the second thing that the Spirit promises is that He will give us power to become what we otherwise never could become. And the order is really important. Becoming happens through seeing. The more we see who God is, the more we become like what we see. And in Ephesians 3, in verse 14, Paul prays this prayer. And so let me read it, and then I'll give you another paraphrase. In Ephesians 3, in verse 14, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So here's what I think Paul is praying. If we to pull apart in a good way, his words. Here's a, here's a paraphrase. The Father has an inexhaustible supply of power. And the Spirit who lives inside of you is the power line that connects you to this reservoir of power. And so I pray that in the deepest part of your mind and soul, you would be strengthened by this power. I'm praying this for a specific reason. Why do you need strength? Because Jesus doesn't just want to be a visitor. He wants to be completely at home in your hearts. That means he's going to have to do some renovation, reconstruction, and redecorating to make your hearts and your lives look like he actually lives there. That kind of renovation can be exhausting. So I'm asking for strength for you. And I'm praying that you'll trust him when he starts stirring up the dust that you'll believe he's changing things around inside because he loves you. I'm praying you'll have faith to let him into the basement and the attic, into all the hidden corners of your life. Why? Because, and I'm praying this will happen, because when you see what he's done with the place, your heart and life, you'll step back and say, wow, Jesus really does love me. And here's the thing about Jesus' love. The more you experience it, the more you want it. And so I'm praying that all of God's holy people, the entire church community, will be so radically transformed by Jesus' love that you will shoulder to shoulder help each other experience even more of this immeasurable love. I'm praying all of this happens because here's the ultimate goal. God wants every part of your lives to look and smell and feel like Him. And when that happens, God will be famous through His people all over the world. Don't think he can do it? Think again. He can actually do more than this. So much more than we can ever dream and imagine. Why? Because Jesus' resurrection power is in each of us. Amen. That amen is Paul's mic drop. <laughs> 
It is his authoritative and loving way of saying that people Jesus died for can become what he intended them to become by the power of his spirit. And I found there's lots of reasons we don't pray. There's lots of reasons I don't pray. But two of the big reasons are, number one, I'm afraid Jesus won't answer. That's one, that's one reason, right? And when I ask the question, is this prayer too big for the God who raised the dead? That usually helps me a lot. Am I really asking too much of the God who has the power to raise the dead? But there's another reason we don't pray, and that's because we're afraid he actually will answer. Like, what's going to happen if I pray that God will make me a man of prayer? Like, what's God going to do? <laughs> right? What, what am I going to lose that will make me dependent on him? It, and it's, it can get kind of scary when you think of what God can do. And so I think a lot of times we don't pray because we're afraid God actually might answer our prayer. And that's why this prayer is so important. Paul is asking for strength to undergo the renovation that happens when Jesus' love invades our hearts like never before. This is why, as we talked about a few weeks ago, we engage in spiritual practices. Not because they have the power in themselves to transform us, but because, as Adele Calhoun says, it puts us in this place where the Spirit broods over our souls, and we say over and over again in a thousand different ways, the Spirit, Jesus, I need you to do a miracle in me and change me. That's what spiritual practices do. They put us in this place of asking for God to renovate our hearts and do a miracle. When we pursue counseling and therapy, which are really good things, they in themselves don't change us. They simply show us in our hearts, the areas of our lives, the, ba- the basement and the attic, <laughs> the places of our lives that need healing and need the presence of Jesus' love and put us in this place where all over again we say, Jesus, I need you to do a miracle. And wh- while we believe that our missional community and DNA group structure, they're good and helpful. We believe that if there's not a pervasive spirit of prayer in those places, we're not going to experience the community and change that we long for. Often what we need in our community is not more tools, not more process, not more structure, but more prayer. When we don't see God at work, maybe we just need to stop and pray and fast and ask him to do what we can't do. In the early 1700s, there's an Austrian Christian by the name of Nicholas von Zinzendorf. What a great name. And he, he established a refugee for persecuted Christians. And he had this dream that as Christians came together, they would become a healthy community and be equipped and sent out on mission. But it was far from that at its start. People came from such uh, diverse political and religious backgrounds that the city at first just became a place of fighting and, and bitterness and, and discord. It was a mess. So much so that someone told Zinzendorf, you've got to shut this thing down. It's a hotbed of heresy, they called it. But Zinzendorf said, no, like, God can do something. And so he moved moved into this community with care and compassion. He set up structures and systems. He set up uh, DNA groups, what we would call DNA groups, two to three people meeting together in confession and prayer. He set up uh, spiritual practices. But something that also happened, which was the key to, to the change in that community, is he 24 women and 24 men agreed to pray around the clock. Like each person took an hour of the day and they prayed around the clock that God would do something, that God would transform that community. And God did. God did. You know that prayer meeting lasted 100 years? Around the clock, 24 hours a day, people volunteered in and out for 100 years to pray. And that community became so healthy that Zinzendorf called it that called this people a, a people that were glad in their Savior. That's how he described them. They're glad in their Savior, right? They're full of the Savior's joy. 
And they sent out more missionaries in 20 years than the entire Protestant church had done in the previous 200 years out of a community that was really healthy. And you'll always find this in movements that have changed the world. There is systems and structures, right? There, there, there are those things. But there's also the spirit at work. You've heard Dawson talk about form and fire. There's both that are working together. And we need both. We, we've, you've heard us say many, many times that grace is not opposed to effort. It's just opposed to earning. That quote from Dallas Willard. And so there is effort in, in moving towards change. But if that effort is not fueled by dependence on the Spirit, if it's not coupled by constant crying to God to do what we can't do, there is no way we'll see the change that God wants us to see, to say it positively as we cry out to the Spirit. And we ask Him to show us what we need to see. And we ask Him to invade our hearts with His love over and over again. We can become the people that God has called us to become. So let me ask you, what kind of people do we want to be? How do we want the Spirit to come and make us what we otherwise never could become? So let's take a few minutes and reflect on that. I'm going to ask Matthew to come up and lead us in this moment. Um, whatever our dreams, whatever we long for, whatever it is that we want to be as the people of God, it can be realized as we say, Spirit, we can't do this without you. Please do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. So let me invite you again to listen and ask the Spirit to show, show you what is it that we want to become. Yeah, Father, we thank you for this word and... Um, what it says about power. We thank you, Father, what um, your word says about where power comes from, that it, it comes from you and uh, not from the many things that we see um, around us on the news. There's lots of demonstrations of power in quotes right now uh, compared to your true power. And so, um, yeah, we as a church just seek you for that, Father. And thank you for what your word also says about what that you want us to know what Paul says he says he wants us to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and for me um, what that means is nothing that we can really know on our own compares to what you have for us Lord by your spirit that Ben's been talking about help us to understand what that means Father give us uh, the knowledge that you have for us expand our capacity to love expand our capacity to see which we already prayed for. And Lord, I'm reminded of a Psalm 139, which is a place where David says to God, Father, search my heart. Show me if there's any wayward way within me. Uh, lead me in your everlasting way. And God, I was thinking about that in terms of us as a church. We just want long as your church to, for you to come in and do that renovating work. Yes. Show us, Father, show us the crooked places that need to be made straight and can only be made straight by you. Father, show us just the, the, make us willing for you to come in and knock down walls and, you know, even if it means losing prized possessions, Father, because you're better than anything we think we need or need to hold on to or the things we think we need to stay safe. Teach us how to be dependent on you. Spirit, show us what that means. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Just invite. Anyone else who'd like to cry out and ask the Father, the Spirit, to give, give us power to become what he's called us to be? I want to ask Spirit for faith, the, the trust to believe that when there's painful renovating work to be done that it's done out of your heart of love
Well, there's one more prayer, and I know that we're out of time. So I'm going to mention it, and then we'll enter into a time of communion, and then there are going to be some leaders here available after the gathering time um, that can pray with you. We'll do it that way, since we're out of time. And um, Crystal was going to lead this time, but we'll, we'll save, save it for her, okay? But Ephesians 6, let me just leave this with you. Paul said, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. We often talk about a disciple as an apprentice and worshiper of Jesus who, is spend, who lives out their gospel identity by being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus does. And as we see him, and as we spend time with him and become like him, we want to do what he does. And so the Spirit of God can enable us to do what we otherwise never would do. That's what Paul's praying here. He's in prison, and he prays for boldness. He doesn't pray that he'll get out of prison. He doesn't pray for comfort. He doesn't pray for rescue. He prays that God would make him bold to preach the gospel. And so I want to invite you to pray as you, as you leave today, as you go to your homes, as you spend time in your DNA groups and your missional communities, to pray that God will make us, enable us by his power to do what we otherwise never could do to be faithful on his mission, to be both a healthy community and a community on mission, to, to, to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel, to sacrifice ourselves so that the name and mission of Jesus and message of Jesus can be made known in this world, to ask God that he'll do miracles among us. I've said this before, you've heard me say it, that God is sovereign in how he dispenses miracles like healing and prophecy in tongues, but let it not be that God doesn't do those things because we don't ask. We want to ask him to do miracles among us. We, wanna, we want him to do whatever it takes for people to say, God's power is in that place, and I want to experience God's power there. There's no other explanation for what's happening except for Jesus. And now that we're done, I want to preach, so. <laughs> but we're going we're to preach by taking the elements. We're going to preach to ourselves by reminding ourselves why these promises are ours in Jesus. That they're true and that they're ours because of Jesus' death on the cross. And so if you're a follower of Jesus and you want to participate with us in this meal, if you want to raise your hand, if you don't have the, the elements, um, we can make sure you get them. And when you get them, peel back that top layer. This little wafer is a symbol of the body of Jesus. And as I was thinking about this, this symbol in Romans 8.32, it says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up, gave up his body for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This little symbol is a picture of God's willingness to give us all that we need. So let's eat together. The juice is a reminder of the blood of Jesus and that that blood was the signature on the bottom of every one of God's promises. All of the promises of God are yes in Jesus, including the promise of his spirit. So let's drink together. Go ahead and ask the band to come up. And let me pray. Father, thank you that thank you that there's so much more you want us to see. There's so much more you want us to become. 
There's so much more you want us to do. And, and I pray, Father, I pray, uh, because of the blood and body of Jesus, I pray you'd help us to hear those invitations this morning as invitations and not condemnation. Lord, it's easy to feel condemned, that we don't see enough, that we haven't become enough, that we don't do enough. Lord, rescue us from that today. Help us to hear these words as an invitation of all that you want to do for us in Jesus. That would free us to come with all of our sin, with all of our brokenness, with all of our failure, and know that it's covered in the blood of Jesus. And you want to bless us, you want to show us, you want to empower us. We don't have to twist your arm behind your back. Lord, you want to do these things for us. So give us freedom, Lord, to ask for what you've promised to give us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.